With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know what? We give you such great content. We've had everyone on here from Michael B. Jordan to Ava DuVernay. My, we, Michelle. Michelle Yo. Yes. We've discovered Henry Golden. <laughs> We've had Oscar winners. We've had Oscar winners. Emmy winners. Emmy winners. <laughs> Tony winners. Golden Globe winners. The so, least you could the do. The least you could do. There's a rating system. And we would love for you just to click on five stars for us. <laughs> and leave a comment. Only if they're nice, Nice though. comments Nice only. comment. And you know. You know, we're very fragile. No, I'm just we're very fragile. We're journalists, so we're fragile. <laughs> but yeah, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Rate us five stars. Tell your friends yeah. about this show. Exactly. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Recommend it you to know, everybody. Sit down with your parents. Listen to this over dinner while you're eating food. After <laughs> 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 you eat dinner. But yeah, please rate us. Give us five stars and leave us a comment or two. It would be very much appreciated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. My name is Dina Ray Ramos, one half of this wonderful podcasting team. My other co-host is Amanda Anduka. This week, we have a very special episode for you after being gone for a little bit. We went on a little hiatus. It's a crazy month. But uh, this week, we bring you um, a special episode. It was a live episode that we partnered with GLAAD at... Park City for Sundance. It is a panel for the documentary Disclosure, Trans Lives on Screen. We welcome director Sam Fetter, subjects uh, actress Jen Richards, actor Marquise Vilson, and journalist and writer Travel Anderson, who are all featured in this documentary, which documents um, the portrayal of trans men and women and gender nonconforming people on screen in film and television and it's a very detailed history you'll learn a lot it's very well done it's eye-opening and it helps move that needle forward in terms of trans representation and authentic trans representation i might add it was a great conversation it was a fun conversation we had a packed house at sundance it was fun and um yeah i hope you enjoy it so, um, oh, and also I want to add that during the live recording, you know, things happen, technical difficulties happen. So at one point my mic went out, so I had to go back in and re-record the question. So if you hear a little bit of a weird transition in there, it's because we had to add in the question in post, thanks to our lovely producer, David. Um, so yeah, if you were, um, if you were there, 
We had a good time. If you weren't there, sorry, but now you get to listen to it. So without further ado, here is our special live Sundance panel disclosure trans live on screen. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming out to this live recording of a new, the new Hollywood podcast, Deadline's New Hollywood podcast. We want to first thank our sponsors and our partners. Glad, yes. Um, West, West Elm, make sure you get your free couch on your way out. Um, I'm just joking, they're not giving out free couches. Um, and uh, Cali Love, so yeah, give them one round of applause. So. Um, so for those of you who don't know, my name is Dina Ray Ramos, and this is my, our co-host. I'm Amanda co-host. Duca. We are the co-hosts of the New Hollywood Podcast, where we put shine on people of color, the queer community, women, and other marginalized communities in film and TV. Um, so we are just trying to move that needle and do what we can in our space at Deadline. So thank you guys for uh, supporting. Um, so tonight we have Disclosure, the documentary uh, Disclosure Trans Lives on Screen. So let's bring out to the dice uh, Sam Fetter, director. We have some of the film subjects. We have Jen Richards. Marquise Wilson. Oh, here comes Marquise. And Travel Anderson. Okay, everyone good. Oh, yes, Travel. I just want to start, Sam. The, the, this documentary comes at a time when the trans community is in need of authentic representation and fair treatment, not only in film and TV, but just like in life, right? But with the documentary, how did you want to break this issue open and break it down even further than, you know, for, for many of us who already know that, you know, fair treatment is needed? I think something I was really focused on the whole time was that everything in the documentary had to be rooted in a personal experience. Um, and that was an early commitment because telling a history about a community has to be told, centering that community, right? And the, that, so from the early, early on with the research, when I did research interviews, which Jen was part of, I think I have like nine and a half hours of interviews with Jen. With just Jen? <laughs> So we're going to make get that movie made. <laughs> it's a series, docu-series. A docu-series. Jen. Jen. Just come talk, Jen. Um, <laughs> like, it just, it was, you know, constantly we had to, I wanted to center trans memories and voices and perspectives. Um, I got distracted. What was your question? Oh, well, how did you want to break this issue open and just kind of throw it into the mainstream, make it known, and just kind of unapologetically, you know, tell these stories? Okay, so from the personal, right? Yeah. So you uh, and uh, gosh, I start. Okay, so just the disclaimer: I've spent the past four years pitching this film to raise money for it. Yeah, so I've got go. that down. I just don't know how to talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all say we're all, we're in a safe space, you know. Come on. Um, I mean, I think you said unapologetically, yeah. and I mean, I think that's who I am, mm-hmm. um, uh, for better or worse, and. Finally, it's working in my favor <laughs> this week. Um, but uh, it, it had to be told from trans perspectives. There was no apologies. There was no one talking for or about us. Um, and it had to be told in a way where you are invited along, right? You, the, the audience is 
welcome to witness um, and follow our lead. Um, there's no question who's the expert, right? And that is, and that's that became a very like holistic part of the process. Um, I mean, all of our talent, which is I prefer that than subjects. All of our talent, also their our talent is credited as creative consultants. Uh, we paid everybody. Everyone was part of the research. We had endless conversations. We looked at materials together. We shared articles. Um, so this, it was just a, the process in itself had to always be an end. Um, behind the scenes, it was just as essential to, we prioritized hiring trans people. And when we couldn't hire a trans person, the non-trans person mentored a trans person. Um, you know, that invisible behind-the-scenes work that's not in the film is kind of the stuff I'm most proud of. Um, one of our earlier shoots, which, of course, Jen was at, um, our lighting technician, this woman named Desi, she had never, you know, she's a cis white lesbian, so, yeah, oh, And um, she was, you know, had never worked on, in trans content or with trans people, but she was really excited about the idea. And when I told her, you know, that if I was going to hire her, she would have to have a, a mentee, and she was thrilled so long story short, she was so moved by the project that she went back to IATSE, which is the largest tech union in the world, and instituted the first trans sensitivity training to streamline membership for new trans people. Right? So it's sort of that ethos that has just been part of telling this story. And I just think that that comes through, right? It was so. I mean, it was the documentary was so informative, and it, it gave it gave me a deeper understanding um, um, to to what you know to, to the history of of, of trans and media of, of, of media, and also um, of what the struggles that um, you guys go through. So, for the talent, um, can you talk about what it was like being a part of this uh, this amazing documentary? But sorry. <laughs> documentary um, and also how do you feel that it sort of moves the needle in the fight so first my last name is pronounced Vilson oh my god I'm yeah, sorry you, do you want to do it over again no girl we fine <laughs> um, for me personally I mean so per my own experience uh, having been a part of documentary film many many moons ago of course Sam is, is very aware of that the first documentary I'd, have, I'd ever been a part of was The Aggressives. So for any of you who are like old, um, <laughs> who've been around for a really long time. What's old though? <laughs> I mean, look, it, it, it obviously debuted in 2005. Um, and at that time in my life, that film, it took five years to create. You know, it was from 97 until 2001. As a black trans masculine person back then, I didn't see images of myself. I, I just didn't see it at all. To be a part of an experience like this with someone who is in charge of that ship, who's trans masculine, who's trans in general, um, and then also kind of being witness to the process, what that was like, seeing other people's stories, hearing their experiences, their own journeys, kind of like bearing witness to that as well as what it's been like for me in, for over the last two decades of just my own life and my own life experience, seeing this play out and understanding where we've come from, where we are, and knowing exactly where we need to go, for me was like the most important thing. That was the takeaway. That was the thing that I felt like was most impactful, that I needed to be a part of, and not even just be a part of, but I, I needed to be a witness to that, to believe that it was even possible. Because for a long time, it just was not. Um, 
I think for, for those of us who have been around for a really long time and just whatever that's looked like, obviously for Jen, Sam, you know, myself, because we're, <laughs> we're old, right? Laverne. We've been around a long time, obviously. Yeah, like, been, right? <laughs> been, been around for a really long time. There haven't been many opportunities where folk have been in authentic, you know, experiences, people who are trans, GNC, non-binary, being able to control that wheel, that narrative. And who's in charge of the way the story is getting told more often than not has, has not been us. So to be a part of a process like that was super important. Um, and it was, it was informative in this way that reminded me like there's so much more that I also need to be doing in my own life and be thinking about how I can also be just as inclusive as I possibly can be in my own creative processes. Um, and I, I give Sam kudos quite honestly because when I showed up, I mean literally there were trans, GNC, non-binary folk in every capacity. I mean, at this point now, I'm an actor, I'm an, I'm an open and vi very visible trans actor, but very seldomly do I walk into a space and feel like I belong there. Instead, I'd walked into this space and felt like it was my space. And instead of feeling what I'd normally feel, this sort of like apprehension or worrying about, are people going to get pronouns right? If they discover something, are they going to be like, wait, what? That's a... <laughs> Girl, but you know, none of, none of that occurred. Suddenly, there was this shift. Instead, you would have been in our space. You, you know what I mean? It, it was powerful. It was so informative, and I, I just want to say thank you. Oh, so yeah. that was, but that was my experience, and it was amazing. And it also, it also kind of shows that it can be done. Yes. Yeah. Right. It proves that this inclusive, inclusive you know, behind, uh, below the line, in front of the camera. It can be done, no matter what Hollywood says. I don't get a clap. Is it my gun? <laughs> no! That wasn't deserved. Um, I think I, I completely agree with that. Um, I, I'm Travel, by the way. Hey, y'all. Um, I think that I had a very similar experience. Okay, shout out to the shout out to the phone, the phone ringing. Um, but I think you know, as a journalist who has been like covering, like I kind of got my start in the industry right before we started having these diversity conversations, right before Oscar So White kind of popped off. And like you just mentioned, the girls love to say that they can't find people, they can't find trans people, they can't find black folks. You know, they can't find nobody. Um, and. <laughs> Um, and to know that this production found trans people um, of all different stripes to fill, you know, just about every um, every you know point on the production line, um, and then where they couldn't find somebody, there's a mentorship program, right? So you're training the next generation of trans and GNC talent to go into this industry that says that we don't exist. Like it's really amazing. It's one of those kind of demonstrative things that we just don't talk about enough. Um, and like we like to think that like you know uh, Jill Soloway was able to do what she did, what they did, excuse me, on Transparent, um, but they had a big studio behind them. Right. They had all these extra resources that, you know, the indie folks just don't have. Um, and to know that it's possible, I think, is is really amazing. And just for me um, to be somebody who is kind of, I guess, the spring chicken on this panel right here. Um, <laughs> okay, so it's clear, spring areas. It's I'm clear getting that in the trouble. Theme, I'm getting in trouble. The theme um, tonight is, is old. 
sorry. That's the thing. But my, my point in making that is I feel like for trans and GNC folks, we don't know a lot of our history. We don't know a lot of those, you know, people who came before us. And to know, and to, when you watch this documentary, you see people who have been trans and living and loving and thriving in public since the beginning of time. And I think it goes to illustrate that trans and GNC folks, we've always been here. Whether you've known we've been around or not, we've always been here, and this documentary shows that. Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. Freeze? Yes, ma'am. Just two things. First, I don't know where my matters went. Thank you for having us. Oh, <laughs> it's fine. Thank you, I'm Deadline. Trash, so it's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Deadline. Thank you, Glad. Thank you, New Hollywood, West Elm. Oh, yeah, West Elm, get your couch. <laughs> get your couch, guys. Um, and then also just. I mean, I've had ideas that I've wanted to do before, but I couldn't do them. And like, and this project just shows, you know, we, we, we did it. We can't do it, but we also so much of the success of this was because of my producer, Amy Shoulder and to have. Yes. Stand up, Amy. And, you know, something I, I like to say is allyship is an action, right? And like, I think that, you know, that's the kind of action. Like, you want to help trans people? Help us by doing what we want. Like, help us figure, like, help us achieve our goals, right? Listen, support us how we ask. You know, that's, that's allyship. Um, and so, I just... Thank you. Uh, Jen, you want to... I, I think they covered it pretty well. The, <laughs> the spring chicken set. down there. Yeah. <laughs> You've learned well, kids. Uh, <laughs> Your work here is done. <laughs> right? Well, okay, but that's kind of what I want to say, though. I, I think in a lot of the work that I've done like over the last 10 years, there has always been this sense of, I'm doing this work so that it's easier for the next people. Oh. You know, I, I have to be an actor and an advocate and um, and uh, educator and all those things all the time, all at once. When every time I go down to a film set and I'm the only trans person in the entire thing, and I'm there to be trans for that particular show. You you carry that that burden of of, of um, representation. Just you're representing an entire community, and th- that that's a lot. And you don't get to always just do the work. You, I can't ever just be an actor. I can't ever just be a writer. I'm always representing. It's yeah. always like my body in space is a political act, whether I want it to be or not. Yeah. So uh, when we actually. Uh, we, we had a, a private screening a, a week ago and I had a, uh, a friend with me, uh, Eve Lindley, who's, she's in her early twenties and she's, she's about to blow up. She's going to s- dispatch us yes. from elsewhere. She's uh, like the, she stars as Jason Siegel's love interest in a new AMC show and, you know, series regular on AMC, the kind of thing that would have been unthinkable a few years ago when I was like, you know, shouting about all this stuff so that it would someday happen. And, a lot of the documentary, you know, frankly, is a lot of stuff that, that I've known. Sam and I've been talking about it for years. And, but I, after the, the documentary uh, wrapped, I, I looked over and Eve was just like a puddle of tears. And she's like, I, I never thought about all this stuff. Like, and she didn't have to. And, and, and it was wonderful that this provides that sense of legacy and what she's a part of. But the fact that she doesn't have to think about it, that she hasn't had to do all of that work, that she could go on to set knowing that those people already had some degree of trans competence, that they had, you know, glad training, that they had trans friends, that they had seen other representations, positive representations by trans people, and that she could just do her job. 
And that, that's like, oh, that's, that's always what I wanted. Like my, I always joke that as an activist, my, my ultimate goal is to become irrelevant for people to think like, well, why did we ever have to fight for that? Duh. Of course, trans people should play trans people. Why was that a fight? I'm like, great. Then my, then, yeah. So I was thrilled to see that. I was thrilled to see that. Teek Milan says, if I'm not laughing, is it a joke? Throughout the documentary, we see clips of Mrs. Doubtfire, Silence of the Lambs, Tootsie, Jamie Foxx's Wanda in Living Color, and many of us came up in that era, and these movies have become acclaimed and celebrated American institutions and entertainment. Uh, and a lot of people ask, is it okay if I still like this? How do you think we can navigate our attachments to these problematic movies and TV shows? Yeah, I mean, I'll, just, I'll jump in. It, it stings. Uh, I remember my brother and I really liked this uh, ridiculous sitcom called How I Met Your Mother, which... <laughs> It was kind of sweet and funny, and it was also the single most transphobic show that I've ever seen. Like, there are more trans jokes in that show than anything I've ever seen. Just constant, unrelenting, like, oh, that chick really, you know, used to be a guy. The, the main character is on a date and imagining the worst possible things that can happen, and he goes to the bathroom, and she follows him in and, like, goes to the urinal. And I, But I, I rewatched that show recently, and it's like, there's, there's a lot about that show I love. There's some very clever writing and good performances, and then those moments come up, and it hurts, and, and it and it stings. I'm not a, a cancel culture type person. Like I, I can't just cancel that show because I feel like, and it's the same thing when um, JK Rowling kind of came out as, as being anti-trans, you know, I've got my Harry Potter tattoos and it's like a big part of my life. So like, am I going to throw out something that's brought me so much, you know, joy and insight and it's, has fed my imagination and made my life richer in some way, just because there are some harmful, hurtful parts of it. Uh, for me, I'd rather just live with the pain. Like that's part of being a human being. Like I, I want to be broken in ways that ensure that I'm always compassionate, that I'm always empathetic, that I'm always uh, hyper aware of who else is being harmed in these representations. If we, if we make everything so completely black and white and, and, and get so ideological driven that we just, we just want to discard something, um, then I think it becomes harder to, to stay open in that way. So I, I, for me, I just have to live with the pain. <laughs> I don't want to live with the pain. <laughs> I don't. And I mean, I, uh, I mean, I stopped watching, you know, mainstream film and television a long time ago. I mean, that's why this film took so long to make because I had to watch it all again. But um, I mean, because I didn't want to be in that pain anymore. I didn't want it seeping in anymore. And I, and I, I am very opinionated, and so, but it was really important in going into this project that we did not demonize anybody, and that every argument is really nuanced, um, and I, that for me is 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 to hold that complexity um, that it's sort of. I mean, media is is such an institution in our culture, and to, when it's chalked up to entertainment, is is so dismissive, and so ha part of media has to be about being an active consumer of media. Right. And knowing how to love things, but love them critically. Right. I mean, there's there's I think in every example in the film with every critique, there is something really positive. Right. I mean, without giving away too much, should I give away something? It's up to you. It's your movie. It's you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever you're comfortable with. Whose permission are you asking? <laughs> Amy? <laughs> Daddy? Um, <laughs> uh, 
So, you know, we have a whole bit on the crying game, obviously. And, you know, it's, it's a really hard film and a lot of people have really complicated reactions to it. And Zachary Drucker comes in and it's just like, you know, it took me a long time to realize how problematic it was. When I was a kid, I just saw this beautiful woman who had a penis, right? You know, it's, so it's that sort of complexity that I want, that I hope that this film kind of shows examples of that can be a model for people to watch. Cause, things aren't going to change radically. They're not going to change radically that quickly. Um, so I think it's just being that active viewer. And I also think it's, it's, a, it's an honest process. I think, you know, just thinking about characters like Pat. Growing up as a child, I watched Saturday Night Live. This character was very present. And I think it's sitting in my own life, in my own world, as somebody who was not only... Um, struggling with my gender identity and the way that I was expressing that, I think also being black um, added a, a, a very specific layer where, you know, more often than not, I had to laugh through that trauma. And I think that we, we do kind of tickle ourselves sometimes with these traumatic sorts of things. But I think it's okay to notice at some point, wait a minute, that's actually not right. And it, it's okay to make that adjustment. It's okay to autocorrect. It's okay to make that change. It's also okay to be honest about that and say, well, the reason why I was doing that thing is because I was just trying to laugh it off. You know what I mean? Like, for me, that's just kind of the way that I acknowledge that. I'm not suggesting that, um, you know, it's, it's necessarily just purposely entertainment, but then thinking about my own experience and where that was coming from for me, why I'm laughing, why I'm trying to do that thing, because it's so hard. It's so freaking hard to sit through that and watch people make fun of your experience every fucking day. At some point, you know, you got to be like, okay, well, look, bitch, I'm just going to laugh too. Because at 2.2, bitch, I'm going to be crying. You know, but it, it, I, don't, I don't think it means that we can't live in a society now where we do hold people accountable and say shit like too wrong foo is just, bitch, it's too wrong. <laughs> but it is, though. It's just too wrong. And we can create that change. You know, leave the past where it is, absolutely, yes, but also acknowledge the damage that it's actually done. Can't, you can't just go around laughing at trauma all the time, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just add that I think it's, 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 for me, it's less about whether you're laughing or crying at the particular media portrayal and more about what you are internalizing from that and how you are uh, uh, taking that and, like, replicating it in your life. Right. So if you see this transphobic joke that you find hilarious and then you internalize that and the next time you see a trans person or somebody that you perceive to be trans, you say that same joke. That's when I have a problem with it. Right. You can laugh at whatever you find funny. You can, you know, find a home or some sort of uh, a connection to things that some people might deem to be problematic. Like we're having these same conversations around the Cosby show, around R. Kelly music, around Michael Jackson, around all these other motherfuckers. Uh, can I say motherfucker? Well, anyway, um, I'm sorry, I listen to the podcast, David Cussing. Um, but like we're, we're having these same conversations. So for me, it's less about, you know, however you, you feel in the moment as you're watching the thing, but how you are treating trans people, GNC folks, other marginalized folks, you know, out in the street every day. That's what I care about. Um, I don't want to see some of the things that we've seen in films and television shows replicated on a daily life because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, motherfuckers are already dealing with shit. And we also don't, we don't need to add on, you know, whatever problematic jokes that you've seen on TV onto our lived experience. 
I, I mean, I have to be honest, the thing that offends me most frequently, not the most deeply, but the most frequently, uh, is, is the, the hackiness of the jokes. Um, it's, it's the lack of quality that really bothers me. <laughs> That's what really bothers me. The They're most. not even trying. It really does. Like, if you're gonna, ins- like, I, I love a good insult. I love a good read and trans people can be messy. Like, come for us. But, <laughs> but fucking deliver. Come correct. You're gonna do it. Yeah, come correct. Like, you've gotta up your game. It's like, you better insult <laughs> I would respect that. I'd be like, okay, we have respect. You, know, you read me there. That's true. Right. So as the movie examines uh, trans representation in media from the night, starting from as early as the 1900s till now, can you guys each uh, tell us when was the first time that you saw you, your story represented properly in the media. Okay. Yeah, properly. <laughs> because that, <laughs> You mean aside from things I've made? Your, yeah, exactly. yeah. I'll start. I, I mean, I think as I, in, in the life that I live now and the way that I exist now, I still haven't really seen black, queer, gender non-conforming people kind of reflected on screen in kind of a full way. Um, but, you know, when I answer this question, I always, you know, have to give a little credit to um, Patrick Ian Polk's Noah's Ark. Um, that look it up. I'm not going to tell you what it is, um, but it really, I think, at that time when I first discovered, it represented, you know, uh, a, a sea of possibilities for me um, in the life that I thought I was living at that time. Um, and then the other two people um, that I give some credit to is Andre Leon Talley and Miss J Alexander from America's Next Top Model. Those two individuals for me as like black assigned male at birth individuals who were like who are exhibiting some sort of gender nonconformity and gender play in how they present um really just kind of unlocked something for me um properly see that's the other thing too right like i mean to think back to my first time of seeing a black trans man on television literally was in 1997 it was on jerry springer was it done properly no did the person at least have an opportunity to speak their truth yes i think that that is the thing that i don't know that i'm seeing in the industry today i don't know that i'm seeing black trans masculine writers at least having an opportunity to come into a room to then tell stories that authentically speak to me um, have I had opportunities to play trans masculine? Definitely yes. Um, but more often than not, either A, the person who's written that story is not trans, or B, they're not trans masculine. So that makes, for me, that just makes a little bit more of a difference, I think, in terms of all the, you know, other stuff that comes along with not just my transness, but specifically my blackness in relation to that. What it's like for me to show up in the world as a black man, you know, is one thing for me to show up as a black trans man, especially to black community. Yeah, no. Oh nah. Jesus. Nah, I don't I don't know that people get in that memo yet. We working on it though. <laughs> this film, we're gonna work on it. We'll, we'll see. Uh, there was a web series called Her Story that reflected <laughs> my experience fairly well. <laughs> That's the closest thing I've seen so far. Uh just to pick up on that, so uh um Brian uh, is my roommate currently, who's yes. on uh, the 911 spinoff. Oh, the Lone Star, 911 yeah, Lone Star. Star. Yes. He, he's staying with me in LA, and he, every day he comes home, and it's this is huge opportunity. Uh, he's, he's a series regular on this new Fox show, a really, really big show, and he plays an out black uh, trans man. And he's so excited, and he's got such a great spirit, but every time he gets a script, he comes home and he's just like, Jen, it's like, 
it's always just not quite there, you know, because there are no trans people in their writers or much less trans masculine, much less, you know, black trans men. And if you're going to talk about that experience, it's so specific, but what has been good there. And it's been, and it was also true of me on Mrs. Fletcher, where they just let me completely do whatever I wanted basically is that more and more cis people are trusting that they know what they don't know. Whereas before they didn't know that now they're like, okay, like they'll defer to us. They'll actually listen. And then we can help shape those characters. Well, um, we are out of time, unfortunately. We had, I, we could talk for, we could talk forever about it because the, the, the documentary is riveting and it, it you know, w- we all have blind spots and, you know, it's up to us to kind of see those blind spots. And thank you guys so much. Jen, Sam, Marquise, Travel, you guys are awesome. Thank you. One more round of, round of applause. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.